Welcome to the High Performance Groundwork Podcast. My name is Hugo Menard, and my guest today is Adelaide Goodeve. She's an elite performance coach working with the world's best companies, leaders, teams, and athletes to achieve elite performance. And in the last three years, she's focused on helping athletes rewire their brain to master their mental game for unstoppable performance. So welcome, Adelaide. Thank you for being here. Thank you so much for having me. Now, when I was reading up and, and researching into the kind of work you do, the thing that really seems the most remarkable was how you even got here and how you started. Could you share your story of when you had severe chronic fatigue syndrome and how you transformed that? Absolutely. So when I was about 17, 18, I started to develop chronic fatigue syndrome and it just increasing its severity as the years went by um, and eventually doctors told me I'd have it for the rest of my life and at that point I was bedridden so it really wasn't an option to feel this way and for it to likely get worse for the foreseeable future so in traditionally there is no cure for chronic fatigue syndrome in traditional medicine and because of that I started to delve into alternative ways to heal the body implementing various different strategies from acupuncture to nutrition to craniopathy, uh, craniopathy um, you name it, I tried it. And it would have maybe some success, but then I might regain 6% of my health and then for it to come crashing down um, a couple of months later. And nothing would just stick. And then one day, it was about a week actually, and I had three or four people say to me, why haven't you tried the lightning process? I said, what on earth is this lightning process? And it's a three-day seminar in which you're taught how to rewire your brain for the life you love. You're taught how to stop the neurosignal traveling down that creates an unhelpful response, such as chronic fatigue syndrome, and that keeps you stuck, and how to activate the neurosignal that will create the result you do actually want, such as energy or calm energy, confidence, happiness, whatever that result is that you want to get. It harnesses the power of neuroplasticity, so your brain's ability to change, grow, and develop as a result of how you use it, and it accelerates that process, which is why I was able to fully recover in three days, and I just not looked back since. I did have a setback um, about a couple of years later when I was studying abroad in Canada, and that's when I came back home, and I was like, I have to learn more about the brain and its power and to have more tools actually in my kit rather than anyone else's but as i was going through that training process i decided to actually make it my career and train athletes and corporates and professionals or anyone who wanted to achieve their full potential and had the drive to do so yeah so whenever i hear people doing something in that short a period of time i'm like okay there's there's something here and, and it just speaks to the human potential we have no idea what we can do uh, and like if you told a doctor like yeah just three days you'll be fine i'm like what um you spoke about that process and then coming back and and learning more what what are some of the deeper learnings or the extra elements that you have um undertaken and added to your toolkit since then this is a great question. The number one thing that I see everyone struggle with, whether they're an elite athlete going to the Olympics or whether they're just a beginner athlete or you're kind of just starting out in your profession or whether you're CEO or executive, is 
no one talks to themselves in the best way possible. And by that, I mean, no one's, it goes beyond the inner voice. And we're looking specifically at the words you use because they create the architecture and structure of your reality, both physically and mentally as well. So when I had, for example, those severe chronic fatigue syndrome, the broken record in my mind was, oh, I'm so tired. Oh, I'm tired. You know, brushing my teeth. Oh, this is really tiring. I had no idea, but that's what I was saying to myself, almost 24-7. And when you say words such as tiring, stress, anxiety, it is activating and strengthening those neuropathways. So they become better and faster and easier at their jobs. So if you're constantly saying things like, I'm an anxious person or I feel stressed, you're going to feel those things more and more. It's going to be very easy to enter those states. Whereas when we say things like, I'm feeling happy, I'm feeling energized, I'm a confident person, I'm great at time management, or I'm, I'm getting faster, stronger with every paddle or every day, you're now activating and strengthening those neuropathways so they get better and faster at their job. And your brain is like a muscle. The more you exercise and activate certain neuropathways, the stronger and better they get. Now, your brain doesn't differentiate between what is helping you and what is not, only what you're using the most. So if you're exercising unhelpful neuropathways, the non-life, non-performance enhancing ones, they can get so great at their job and they are the things that you will either experience more or that you will become because eventually some of these unhelpful things can become part of our identity and our belief system. So if we're constantly thinking that we're tired, then it can create chronic fatigue syndrome, as it did for me. For others, it could be that you become extremely anxious. Maybe it's around specific situations. So you could just be, um, you just could believe that you're all public speaking. So then when you come to public speaking, you get very nervous. Now, because the brain does change, grow, develop very quickly, you can't harness that power. And by changing your language, you can very quickly and easily exercise those powerful positive neuropathways to get the results you want instead. So then you can turn up to your public um, talk or to your presentation, feeling the confidence you want to feel so you can present it in the best way possible. There's Does that a, make sense? Yeah, it makes sense. And there's a, a, a nuance in this that I often think about it, and I'm not entirely sure if there's a solution to it, and I'd like to hear your take on it, is that I completely agree in the power of the thoughts you think. But I've also noticed that if I, you know, if I'm here and I'm I'm trying consciously to think the thought, oh, I'm fantastic at doing podcasts, there can often be an a voice that comes up without me wanting it to that says, you're lying to yourself, or yeah, but or some or there will be this feeling of incongruency and i'm sure you've had that way you know your reality is one thing and you try and make your mind go in another direction how do you deal with that um discrepancy that is at the very present at the very beginning of making mm. that change so there are two different ways to to tackle that um so first of all let me just write that down so then i remember so first of all, we have two things going on. So when we have, um, when we want to create a powerful inner voice for us, we want to create a powerful performance enhancing thought. 
it's and when we are exercising the brain it's not a one-off thing like when you're doing a deadlift or you don't do it once like great now i've got to like 100 kg or if you're doing like a flex um like a dumbbell you don't do it once and you're sorted you've mastered that skill the brain is a muscle so you have to continue to train it like one so that means when we run a marathon you know, we're putting in all those hours of running and the same as with the brain so when you want to be a fantastic podcaster it's saying that to yourself consistently so at the beginning you're going to be this very conscious you're going to be consciously doing it so it's called like um when we're for example using the podcast analogy when we're a terrible podcaster you'd say you're kind of like an upside down genius because you're great at being this terrible podcaster and as you start to change and i'm not saying you are but as we start to change the thoughts from being like i'm a terrible podcaster to actually i'm really good you're now becoming a conscious genius so you're very becoming very involved in this process on a conscious level to ensure that your thoughts and your actions are congruent towards becoming this really great podcaster and then over time you'll then become an uh, an unconscious genius and so then you're very good at creating these brilliant results around being a fantastic podcaster now i've just said i do realize that you can change um, your brain can change in very quick time and you can accelerate that process of change um you can but you need the right techniques to do that um it is a form of visualization but it goes much deeper than traditionally kind of looking and visualizing the goal you want you need to activate all senses um, and it's best actually to do that with um, a guided coach although you can do it yourself you just get a very quicker result um, with an, an expert in that field um, but you can visualize yourself being a, a fantastic podcaster using that powerful language in the present tense so I am talking with a guest and it's going really well I'm very fluent I'm feeling confident I'm feeling calm I'm focused I'm listening you know you want to involve everything you want to be looking at the texture maybe you're feeling you're sitting at your desk um, the desk is smooth, it's cool, the room um, is slightly echoey, but it's really great. Um, and then you're looking at, maybe you taste something, for example, if you're a swimmer, maybe it's chlorine, it's salt water, it could be sweat if you're an athlete, um, maybe it's nothing. Um, if, for example, you're a whiskey taster, you could be tasting whiskey. Um, so it depends on your job and your role and what you want to visualize depends on which senses are going to be the most powerful to you so for some people they're like i don't really taste anything i mean and when you're presenting it's probably true maybe it's water it's not a powerful um a powerful sense um you then got the visual so of course what do you see what do you feel the feelings inside you might be what you smell as well um some people like to add lavender maybe they, to calm them down and they smell the lavender again if you're in a pool you could be smelling chlorine um so you're then harnessing and uh, maybe you have an air diffuser going on in your home so then you have all the essential oils coming in um or maybe not again smell and taste and be more obscure um senses and then you've got sound so what do you hear so if you're doing podcasting it's like i hear my guests and they're talking absolutely brilliantly um but for example if you are an athlete it could be you're hearing the crowd you're hearing your breath you're hearing the motion of your movement it could be the wind in your hair um if you're doing a presentation it could be that actually you hear a silent room because everyone is engaged and listening to you so you want to engage those senses to accelerate that process the other thing is 
again, this isn't a one-off thing. You want to be continuously doing this and you want to be stopping that unhelpful voice coming in. And this is where it gets quite interesting. So you can do that very easily with just, um, for, for me, I teach my athletes to pause and perform play. So you hear that unhelpful voice, pause or stop. Again, you want to be congruent with that. So you want to be compassionate to yourself, but also very firm because we're stopping that signal. We're stopping that voice. Uh, stop. You know, okay, well, how? what would I love to think instead? I want to be a fantastic podcaster. Great. How can I get that now? Like what's, what's the first step? And then it's obviously taking that action. If you yeah. keep coming up with this voice and you're finding it very difficult to change, then this is when actually something much deeper is going on. Um, in in my in my role um, and the field I've studied in, we call it parts, and that's when one part of you, for example, really wants to be confident around your body image, and that's when another part of you is always pulling you in that other direction. Maybe it's with um, I'm not good enough, and often they're created when we're quite young, between three and seven, when we're in a situation and we have limited role models, we have limited understanding, so the brain creates a response to that situation to keep us safe and it works and the brain's like wow that's great it worked and then a similar situation comes up and the brain's all about shortcuts and then a similar situation comes up and it's like well that response worked for that other situation it's kind of similar let's do it again and it does it again it's like wow this is really working and again it comes up with a different situation it's still very similar and uses that same response and so now it's like well this response is working in a variety of situations and it's keeping us safe fantastic this is like the new shortcut response for those kind of things and so what happens is we then don't grow up and that situ that response is that three to seven year old self and so then it can be affecting you very much in your adult life in your 50s your 60s um all the way through where you have maybe when you look in the mirror and you just see you could be this phenomenal athlete and incredible business owner but you just look in the mirror and you just see yourself that you're not good enough and then that feeds into kind of seeps into other areas that you do as well, um, whether it's in athleticism or whether it's in career, business or hobbies. Or maybe it's just when we think about ourselves in general. Um, and that's when you want to go much deeper um, with this parts process. And it's looking at what does that voice want for you? Because where people feel that battle, they're kind of really battling against themselves. The most fascinating thing is every single client I've done this process with, and it's probably in the hundreds now, um, when we do this process, each part wants peace and love for themselves. It's just getting them in the, is that, that unhelpful part or the one that we hate is just getting it in the wrong way, in that upside down genius way. And often they, once the two parts, and this sounds so woo for some, um, but even my most, um, pragmatic of clients end up doing this process and they're like okay that was woo but that was really cool um because they do come together and they can see how they work together and it completely transforms and changes from then on how they're thinking and feeling and for some it's instantaneous i had like the next day on oh my I, if you've done it for for example eating healthily oh my god i'm no longer craving junk food this is so awesome I, I feel so great. Like it's just so easy for me now to eat salads and I've done this every day and it continues on that direction. For others, it could be 
a smaller increase. They're like, wow, I'm so, they're like, yeah, I'm really starting to see how I'm thinking in a more positive way around these situations. Um, this action is becoming easier. This is getting a bit easier. It's a little bit more positive. But even when they say like it's a little bit more positive, like that's amazing because you've just created a transformation which has kept you otherwise stuck for like 30, 20 years. So even when you see a little change, you've still created change that's still amazing because you can build on that in very powerful ways and make it even bigger and bigger over time. And for some, it just takes a little bit a little bit of while to kick in. So there are the two ways you can kind of tackle it. And you can do it yourself as well as when that voice comes up, exploring, well, why am I saying that to myself? Where is this coming from? Why do I think that? What does the voice sound like? For some, it could be a teacher that said that maybe we were stupid when we were like 12 or 15 as well. And it could actually be the teacher's voice that we don't realize, or maybe it's a parent voice coming in as well. So it's worth exploring that. I mean, like, well, why am I thinking that? What do you actually want for me? It is useful sometimes to, again, get someone to guide you through that process, because when we are really stuck or it's a can be more challenging um, part of us, it could be like, well, I don't know. Um, and you kind of get stuck at that point or yeah. you, you're you asking yourself that question of like, what do you want from me? It's like with the client, I think she was saying it was coming up with things like, um, I don't know, um, you need to be more, you need to do more because it was all that not being good enough, right? So you've got to do more, you've got to be more, you're never enough. Um, that's why I want you to be more. And, and that's just like the first layer of an onion skin, right? So we're just peeling the layers. And it's like more like, oh, great, if you're going to be more, what else does that give you? Because you don't just want to be more. Like, what does that mean? Like, why do you want that? So you've got to peel back the layers of your of your onion to get to the root of what actually does that voice want for you. And usually it's peace and love. It's just getting it to you in this really upside down genius way. I'm really interested in your focus on elite performance because something I've noticed with myself was if I wanted to improve my performance, and for me it wasn't athletics, but just working um, and being productive, it was that addressing my well-being and the just um, reducing the stress was more effective than going for the high performance. And in what you've just spoken about, there seems to be some of that element in there. So I'm wondering if someone is struggling a lot, is there a an, an initial base level of work that needs to happen to then be able to move forward in a when we're talking about the mindset? Or is it just going straight for the, the peak performance? Great question. It's interesting one. It's different for everyone and different for the for the challenges that they have. Um, so for example, if you can change your language, you can go almost straight for elite performance. I'll give you an example. I had um during lockdown, it was really fun. Um, I was actually in Norway. So I'm from the UK, lived on and off in the UK um, most of my life. Last 10 years traveling, living more abroad. And I've always wanted to live in Norway. So I moved out there for three years um, during you know the time we don't like to think about. Um, I had a great time because it was almost non-existent there. So it was super. But my my poor clients and friends in the UK were having like the worst time during the second lockdown. I know you guys in Australia, some of you had it 
really bad as well because i have yeah. some i have quite a few australian clients um so i was like well this is really sucking for everyone so let's do an ultimate mindset boot camp and the first one i did was 40 days long and it was absolutely amazing the changes and transformation we got for everyone was phenomenal um and some people went straight to elite performance depending on um what their challenge was so for those who beat themselves up um during their training triathlete footballer runner extreme kayaker you know it doesn't matter what sport you're doing either and one of them was a triathlete and business owner and he'd done a a 2000 yard swim trial i always get confused because i don't operate in yards um i'm more of a meters person but he did a 2000 yard swim trial and he did it in say 30 about 31 minutes we did a week on language and the first module i do the learning was two two hours um so i literally fried everyone's brains and the next day uh, and on on sorry on day one of the boot camp you set your what's your 30 day goal like, what do you want to achieve at the end of the study day he's like well i've just done my swim trial i want to get i want to get um 30 minutes 30 seconds great we then did the language module the next day he goes and does his 2000 yard swim trial because he was kind of curious to put my methods in into action and he came out with 29 27. So you can get very quick results by just changing your thoughts. Instead of being like, oh, I'm slow, my arms are tired, my legs are heavy, I've got a high rate, like um, it just feels hard. Like if you haven't swum before, sometimes when you're swimming, it's like going through concrete um, and you don't feel like a dolphin whatsoever. Um, so he changed all those thoughts to I'm strong, I'm powerful, I'm fast, I can do this. Um, I'm a great swimmer, I'm getting better and better, I'm stronger and stronger, I'm faster and faster. So you're acting all that performance enhancing neuropathways and he absolutely crushed the swim. So you can get elite performance, you can achieve your potential and push and extend your limits extremely quickly. On the flip side, we're also looking at 1% um, increments, 1% compound increases in your performance. So we can also get performance increases very quickly, which are sustainable, um, but we can also get performance increases and become an elite performer in the long run as well. Because although um, with my clients, it's about removing the unhelpful stuff very quickly, anything limiting beliefs, any limiting thoughts, like get, get rid of those. And then it's looking at, okay, what are the five key things you do to actually become your become an elite performer in sport or in business in, your, in whichever area they're looking at maybe it's even in relationships maybe it's being the best father they can be as well so how what are the five key things you need to focus on and then it's looking okay well now we've got that we know what that looks like what's the one thing you do in the next 30 days to complete that to like take it to the next level one action so looking at that one percent compound increase and by compound increase i mean if we're increasing every day by one percent that's like an over three thousand percent increase over the year so you want to think if you invest your money and you start off with a hundred pounds on monday and then you increase by that increases by one percent on tuesday you're 101 so then when you have another increase by one percent on tuesday um it increases on 101 not 100 so you get this um compound 
increase in your performance and a one percent could be you just have one great thought today or you stop something that's really unhelpful when you do something different you could start by maybe your one percent increase today is you actually journaled and acted on the journal or had some self-reflection it could be that actually you went for um two cups of coffee instead of three so one percent is so doable for everyone and it's like just looking at what one thing can I do today that's going to make me a champion and then it's obviously acting out that thing yeah. um we're also looking at environment we're looking at well-being as you said because you can't be an elite performer if what you're eating is not good for you so it is changing those big things as well um, but it's ensuring that the mind is aligned with that and helping you do that in a more enjoyable way because often people think change is hard it's challenging it takes a long time it's going to be boring but you know, if you believe those things, God, like change is gonna be hard, it is gonna be boring and you're not gonna to wanna to do it. So it's actually creating change and transformation in a more enjoyable and easier way. So you create really positive momentum that takes you through, um, through your entire year, two years, five years, in, and also that takes you through those challenging times in just a better way. So it's quite interesting because I always talk about being a champion of your life, and people go well i'm not really a champion today because we just had that really tough that tough time with a client um that we handled and maybe i didn't wake up on time and then this happened and the more you think you're like well wait so you just handled a really tough client how did that go oh it went really well so you just handled a tough client successfully they're like yeah and i'm like well that's a champion moment you handled something difficult in a great way. Like, that's awesome. Even if you handled it in a better way, you're still more of a champion than you were yesterday. That's still a champion moment. So ch a champion is just that 1% increase that you're able to do every day. And it's just able to handle things in life, to go through life in more enjoyable ways and in more positive ways and performance enhancing and life enhancing ways. So it's not about winning and being the top 1%. It's just about doing things that are more performance and life enhancing for you today. And that can mean we reduce stress by changing our thoughts. It could also mean that maybe we put in um, a form of meditation for five minutes every day. So we look at it from how can we create quick change and remove obstacles that are currently causing um change to be hard and then it's looking at okay well what's your environment what else do you need to do in order to be that elite performer so it's holistically looking at the wider picture as well as the now does that make sense yeah yes it does and a follow-up on that is given that things can change so dramatically you know i keep thinking about how you did it in three days how do you figure out what's too much as in, if someone tries to go right for the top of the mountain too early or tries to lift too much weight, that could cause some, right, the person could hurt themselves. And so given that in what you're saying, it's, it's really breaking these barriers of, oh, it's going to take forever and it's going to be really hard. And you're saying, well, actually, we can shift that around. What What's the thing you use to figure out how big of a step can I take today? It's quite interesting. Everyone asked me this question and it really depends on actually, I think it depends from my observations and from my clients, it depends on personality. I very rarely, in fact, I've never had someone be like, oh, I just did too much. Um, even when an athlete, in my opinion and in my worldview, went 
too far for example in like in a race they went uh, so there are races you can do in which you do multiple laps and you try and do as many laps as you can do in 24 hours um and one of my clients went so far that and he's he's an extremely good athlete he's one of the humblest person i know he's absolutely an amazing person but he went to the point of breakdown in which he was he had to go to hospital in the end wow. now for him it was it was still a successful race because you know he he literally went as far as he could um for others that'd be too much for the majority of people that would be way too much but for him that's when he learned okay maybe that was a little bit too much um but i still push my limits to the absolute max so you do have to be aware but most people know what is reasonable all of my clients i mean we go through quite like you have to apply to me and we go through an interview process so i know exactly who i know a lot about who they are um by the time we come to coaching and none of them would go and be like well we've just like thought this way i'm going to add 50 kilos to my to my front squat or to my deadlift or something because it's all about what's reasonable for you uh, it's not about going out and running a marathon the next day um and that's also not it also depends on what your view of an elite performer is in my view that's not an elite performer an elite performer is someone who pushes and extends pushes their and extends their limits and achieves and achieves their potential but in in the best way for them so if they have an ironman coming up which is a long distance triathlon you know they're putting in the training in order to make that happen and for some people it could be actually they're already doing too much or they're missing certain things out so for example one client um in my group coaching program is always getting running injuries you know so although she's like well we've now stopped that but at the beginning it was like well i'm not good enough so i've got to run more because my run's not very good it's like well and then and then getting injured and then you know got to take off time running and then you know now i'm not good enough for running because i'm not running at all and then starts running again and is doing too much running and then gets injured again so it's looking okay what what pattern like what is underlying this it, we've found it was not good enough well actually how can you put in sensible run training so you have consistency so you can be a good enough runner to get the time you want in your ironman what would that look like have you spoken to your trainer does he have a plan for you are you doing um like flexible like flexibility work mobility work sorry are you doing mobility work are you doing strength work do you have a strong core do you have strong calves because your body and mind have to be fit to do these things um so it's ensuring that you have that background in place before going for it uh you see it in the gym though i mean especially teenage boys i'm afraid um who have awful technique and they're in the gym adding tons of weight they don't warm up none of my clients are like that <laughs> like very few um jump before they can walk i do have them having ambitious goals so one of my clients just completed a 55 hour canoe race she's a brilliant down the yukon it's one of the toughest races in the world and she's a phenomenal canoeist and she's like you know what i'm gonna do an ultra marathon run in about a month and a half later um fine if that's your goal making sure all the all the um been doing physical training she's got a nutritionist involved um so although it's an outlandish goal 
she's doing it in a sensible way. She also knows how to listen to her body and knows when it will be right to stop and also knows where that limit lies. So with my clients, I like, well, where is your limit? What would, like, when would you think it's reasonable to stop? Because I do have those conversations because it's good to understand, actually, I don't want my body, I don't want to come out of this race and not be able and have permanent damage. Um, in the UK, it was really great to see, actually, um, we have a phenomenal athlete called Greg White, and he trains a lot of celebrities to do extreme challenges, and he was swimming down the River Thames, and he's just had to, he was swimming through the pain for about a day, and he pulled out yesterday and was like, I'm really sorry, I've got to, and it was a Guinness World Record, he's like, I've got to stop um, due to an injury that could be, um, what did he say, it's like something to, like torn the bicep off or to do the ligament. So high pain where it could cause permanent damage. And he's like, you know, the medics on his team and him personally would decide that actually it's the right call to stop because if I continue, this could really, well, he didn't use these words, but it could really fuck him up, right? So you've got to know where are your limits. You've got to listen to your body, listen to your mind and know what is what is reasonable. Um, so you don't extend your limits so far that actually it causes permanent damage. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, common sense comes back and that's good. Um, is there a, any difference in approaches or any difference in the way you work with people when it's around um, workplace and people who have a desk, desk job kind of thing compared to an elite athlete who's uh, where there's a lot of physicality involved there? Great question. So my corporate training program is actually based on um, about, God, hundreds of athletes going through my group coaching programs it was quite interesting so a lot of my athletes are between a lot of them are ambitious professionals so i have a few elite athletes who are awesome but the majority of my clients especially doing all the group stuff they were very ambitious um athlete um amateur athletes so age group athletes who win their races um some do some don't or doing, you know, like the Yukon race or doing a three-day Ironman race, um, which is three days of like the first day is 10K swim, the second day is like a 500K bike ride and a bit of a run. And then the next day is like a bit of a cycle. By bit, I mean like a 100K cycle, 200K cycle, and then you're running two or three marathons, you know. Um, easy, easy, two or three is fine. Easy stuff, you know. They're business owners, they're leaders, um, they're senior finance officers, they're senior software engineers, they could be... But still, um, I've got a senior software engineer um, who's also an archer and he actually um, has played for his country and is aiming to play for his country again. So really different levels of athletes and professionals. Um, not all are leaders, but most are um, because the athletes, they tend to come into um, being age group athletes and doing sports to support them being high performers in their career and the two i'm really noticing come quite hand in hand in order to be a high performer you need some kind of physical sport to keep your body taking over to act as kind of a washing machine for your mental thoughts um to create that mental well-being and it could be that you just like maybe you become a walker or actually just go to the gym three four days a week um so i don't mean you have to go out and be become an age group athlete but to be a high performer it's good to have some kind of physical exercise in your everyday routine whether it's walking doing hit with a, 
with a group of people or or becoming obsessed with triathlon or cycling or something like that. Um, but having coached hundreds and God, I dread to think how many hours <laughs> with with athletes, both one to one with group and who are professionals as well, it's very similar. In fact, almost the same to an elite athlete. Um, the differences come that maybe if you have someone going for world competitions, you're doing a lot more around preparing for competitions, preparing for world competitions. But again, the the preparation I do with them is again very similar to that I do with those who who are doing a presentation. Um, you're kind of using the same strategies, you're just adapting it to a different situation. Um, when working with an elite athlete it's a lot more holistic because it's ensuring that their the mindset training supports the physical stuff that the physical trainer is on the same page as the athlete because sometimes they can be on wildly different pages so i really ensure that all of their team members are working holistically with them and we're all on the same page now it could be that i have direct contact with those with their team or it could be that through the athlete i make sure like you need to ask your trainer this question like is your for example strength trainer like sometimes i hear their program and i'm not a physical trainer but i've been doing sport um for quite a while um so i'm like some of the strength stuff for example if you're a swimmer like does that make sense like is that strength training specifically for swimming like go and ask them how each exercise is helping you in swimming and it could be that actually the trainer doesn't know which i have come across before so then it's like well ask him now to go or ask her to go and create for you a strength training plan specifically to strengthen your weak spots in swimming and get them to talk to your physical trainer to coordinate that so we do look at it from a holistic perspective and i make sure everyone's kind of on the same page because and helping this athlete really achieve that number one goal whatever it may be yeah when we come to corporate and i'm working with a leader it's more looking at okay does the company have a mission or an agenda does the team have specific goals it wants to achieve and then ensuring everyone is on the same page about that having said that if i'm just coming in for a few weeks um often i'm finding not many which has really surprised me not many teams and companies um, have an agenda or specific goals that the entire team knows what they're aiming towards. And maybe it's because they've had like five bosses in the space of three years, um, or maybe it's just not something they're willing to focus on right now, but they just know the overall thing is, you know, is to make the company as much money as possible or to have as many sales as possible. That's really their only focus, which isn't a bad thing. Um, but it can be that people kind of get lost in that and they don't really understand like directly how does my where do where do I derive meaning from my work? Exactly what is it contributing to? Some people don't know that. And that's where we can get disengagement from employees. Um, so it's kind of again looking at athletes, looking at an athlete and looking at their whole team or if they are part of a team or then looking at corporate you're applying very similar things is everyone on the same page are we all aiming towards the same thing are we moving in the same direction um and then using very similar strategies so is everyone speaking in the best way is everyone in a positive feedback loop um does everyone know how to train their brain um if not then this is how you do it and we cover things like language motivation confidence mental toughness um a really fun one for corporates 
is, and the difference is a different one. Um, so for corporates, it could be maybe the team has a specific problem. So maybe they're not they're not cohesive as a team. So instead of rubbing salt in the wound, like, look, there's friction here. Let's look at how we can communicate better to our employees. It could be like, well, how are you celebrating together the small and the big wins? Because it's more positive spin. So then it could be like, they, um, for the first 15 minutes, we just dream. We come up with all the different ways, however outlandish they are, however expensive they are to celebrate as a team. And then it's analyzing what's reasonable, what's going to work, what's not going to work, um, what's what's good, what's bad. And then it's taking that and being like, okay, well, let's take our top five things and let's plan it out. How can we have a company day out doing te team building? Like what needs to happen for that to for that to happen? What are the the first 10 steps or whatever it may be. So then you're planning it out. Um, I would use that same process, but for someone to help them maybe find their life's purpose. Maybe if someone's really in their head around, I don't know how to achieve my time or my goal for this athletic event, well, let's dream it. If there are no limits, what would that look like? Um, and then analyzing again, what's good, the bad, the ugly, and then what, what, um, and then planning out the steps to achieve that. Um, so for example, if they're like, well, I need a new wetsuit, well, how are you going to get the new wetsuit? Or if it's like, actually I need a hydration plan. Great. What, how, like, what, how will you get a hydration plan and how will you test it to make sure actually it's going to be the best one for you? Um, so that, the techniques are very similar, um, and the topics are very similar it's just skewing them differently so if we're looking at confidence it would be confidence in sport and that feedback loop um so it could be i'm getting faster every day i'm getting stronger every day i'm getting more powerful every day for an athlete and then obviously in corporate it'd be like um i'm getting better at presenting or i'm becoming a better listener every day um or my leadership skills are becoming better and better as mm -hmm. as I work on building up these skills uh, so the language becomes different but the feedback loop the way the brain works is all the same mm -hmm. um, and it's harnessing the brain for those two different goals you just mentioned uh, some of the different modules you or aspects you focus on um, there are a couple I want to focus on but one was uh, mental toughness I think that's yeah. probably really important right around uh, these years what are some of the key ideas in that of how to have mental toughness? Great question. Um, so for mental toughness, again, it starts with language. Um, everything starts with language because you've got to be able to think mentally tough in order to have mental toughness. So by that, I mean mental toughness, it looks different for different people. Um, and you're kind of open the can of worms between mental toughness, between resilience. Um, for me, mental toughness is about being able to handle high pressure, high stress situations in a positive and performance enhancing way. And you're able to bounce back from setbacks quickly. So that's mainly the the definition that I teach on mental toughness. Um, for others, they might disagree with me or maybe it's different and that's fine. Um, it doesn't, it almost, the definition is almost inconsequential to the result you want to get. You know, most people just want to get through a challenging 
time in the best way possible. For mental toughness, there are, sorry, it's the morning and my brain is slightly um, still turning on. Okay. There are about five different elements. You have your, obviously, your language that you use. You have your environment. So is your environment conducive to helping you think in mentally tough ways and to be mentally tough? Because obviously our environment is often quite overlooked, but it's really important really important what um, is, could you give just some examples of what are some things in your environment that would be conducive to mental toughness great so it depends on different people um for me for example if you're in an office and maybe you're in a cubicle maybe it's getting a plant um maybe it's putting up some motivational quotes it's just brightening up the your space to to help you perform better maybe if you want to think something different so you're a fantastic podcaster it could be i'm a fantastic podcaster um it could be i'm a brilliant leader it could be your five key th five key things of on that post note to remind you what you need to work on it could be you know a vision board maybe you're working towards getting a raise to get that car i mean at the moment maybe it's just working at the moment because we want to bank as much as we can to to get through winter um, if people are worried about energy bills and things like that. So it could be anything that inspires you, anything that motivates you. It could be pictures of your family. It could be plants. If you have the luxury to work from home, maybe it's, you know, painting the room a nicer color. Um, maybe it's getting a nice desk set up. Um, it, it's anything that just enhances your environment that makes it more enjoyable to live in. For some people, it's very challenging to change that environment um and so that's when you just look for small things and it could be your your goals they could be the one thing that you're going to pin up and that's what you're aiming for which could be maybe a nicer house or a better physical environment as well um but it's just yeah. exploring that what that is for you um you also have external factors and that comes under external factors that influences your 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 performance because it can be if you're in a if you're working in a tough environment maybe it could be due to a toxic work culture it could be long hours it could be you know um the hustle could be popular within your within your company um or maybe actually you're just in a not a great neighborhood it it is going to influence um, how mentally tough you are. It could be in a really great way. It could make you even mentally tougher or it could grind you down and actually um, impact your mental toughness in an unhelpful way. But it's just becoming aware of what external factors are influencing how I'm feeling and how best do I want to respond to them. It's not about um, staying stuck because of the external factors. It's about acknowledging them and then acting upon them right yeah because sometimes we can't change the environment straight away but we can always change how we respond to the environment yeah. um, which which is more challenging um but still possible it's just knowing your goals knowing how you're going to get there and knowing that i'm working on changing my environment can be enough for people to be mentally tough but it's about acknowledging those external factors responding to them in a better way um, and eventually maybe even changing um, 
that environment as well. It could be switching jobs. Um, but for example, I had a client and he was really, really not enjoying his work. He had quite a difficult boss. Like he had come up with, he was his, um, they were in a team and he was kind of second in command and he'd come up with all these great ideas and his boss would, he'd talk about it with his boss. And then in the next meeting, the boss would like, like, Hey, we're going to be doing this now. And he's like, I literally just told you that, but you wouldn't get any recognition for it. And he was becoming quite disheartened and he was thinking of quitting. Um, but in, and the boss was difficult in other difficult in other ways as well. But instead of quitting the job, it was like, well, actually, how can we set you up for success? So when you move positions, how can we ensure that you're moving positions, but but by having a track record as being the best leader you can be? Um, how would you love to respond to your boss instead when he does X, Y, and Z? What will be better for you? How can you be the best leader? you can be instead of hating on the boss what can you do to stand out as a leader what can you do to finesse your skills so we worked on this for about it must have been six months and he then got headhunted by pwc Cooper. um so he went to his boss's boss and was like look i've just been headhunted i'm thinking of taking it um here's a heads up and they're like wait we can't lose you you've literally just turned this team around and they knew that his boss was difficult and they're like, you have to stay. Like, what will it take? So he then got a pay raise and other benefits. He was like, this is awesome. Um, and then six months to a year later, I can't remember now, um, he then got headhunted again by the same company. Like, we really, really want you. Because he'd done, they'd now seen him do an even better job um, over that time period. So then that's when he moved. So that's about how you can respond to your environment, respond to the people around you in a powerful way to get the result you want. Yeah. Um, what? Oh, yeah. If if you had something else to add, go for it. No, I can go on to the other 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 things that can create mental toughness. Oh yeah, people. yes, yes. Go for it, and then I'll I'll just make a note of the question that came to mind. Um, Okay, great. So the other ones are looking at your personality traits. So which ones do you think are really helpful to successfully deal with pressure? And it's just good to kind of note them, maybe like the top five down or the top 10 down, like what personality, what personality traits you think are conducive to mental toughness. So you've got compassionate, self-motivation, commitment, um, thrive on failure, because um, that's when you can learn things the most. You're adaptable. Uh, maybe you influence the influential. So everyone says control the controllables. I really hate that. You can't physically control or 100% control anything. Um, and nothing's really under your control. Like no one's a puppeteer in this. But you can influence the influential. So you can influence the factors that can enhance your performance and your happiness and your well-being. Um, you're seeing challenges as learning opportunities. So you see there are all different personality traits. And it's worth knowing, okay, what are the, the top five? or three to five, top 10, whatever you want to do for mental toughness. Where are my strengths in this? What am I really good at? And where, what's the one I want to improve on in the next 30 days, for example? Oh. Um, for mental toughness, you're also looking at uh, emotional regulation. So again, what, what performance enhancing feelings do you think are conducive to mental toughness? You can write them all down. Which ones are you really good at? Which ones are you not so good at? So you're really great at being calm under stress or actually do you kind of spin out and then how can you get more calm under stress in that specific situation because um, I, I just know that emotional regulation is phenomenally important um 
what are some of the ways that you help people do that again language it all comes down to thoughts again yeah, I, know I, sound, I sound like a broken record now it always comes down to thoughts and language what do you say to yourself if you say i'm an anxious person you know you're already setting yourself up for failure um you want to be saying that maybe like what kind of person would you love to be instead um and often people don't ask that question they don't realize there's an option because when it comes to emotions and the feelings we are taught that once you have a feeling you can't change it right like i am anxious um you are a procrastinator the other end which could invite more criticism would be i i, I have depression um, but actually, when it comes to feelings of any level that's occurred over any length of time, you are involved in them on an unconscious and unconscious level. So by this, I mean you create that feeling. And we don't mean to create feelings that are unhelpful to us, such as like sadness, downness, um, anxiety, and stress. We do them by accident and unintentionally. And if we do them for a long period of time or we do them continuously, then we just get stuck doing them. And I'm saying doing them because again, we are involved in that process, we create them. And emotional regulation is about understanding that, okay, in that moment, I am doing stress, I'm doing down, I'm doing something that could um, activate maybe further depression what can I do instead? And I have clients who have depression. We look at what are the triggers and how do we avoid them? So instead of like literally going into the pit, what can you do to jump around it, to go over the top of it, maybe to go underneath it? Um, what right. do you want to do instead? So when it comes to emotional regulation, it's becoming very self-aware over around your feeling, what you're doing, and then what would you love to do instead? What performance enhancing feeling can you do? And then what is the first step? to doing that in the moment so it could be thinking maybe you're thinking oh my god i'm so stressed and it could be using the pause and reform play so stop i want to feel calm how can i get that today the other way you can do it to program your brain first thing in the morning first thing in the evening or last thing in the evening is to bookend your day with a champion practice so in the morning it could be journaling it could be meditation is waking up and like the first thing you're doing is smiling and thinking positively. So I can't wait for today. What's the number one thing I'm excited for? Um, what am I grateful for today? So teaching your brain to edit your reality for abundance and gratitude and positivity. So you see all of those amazing things because the brain is naturally going to default to negative stuff and see all the negative, all the fearful things that we have in our world or in your reality and make a really big deal out of them um and we do have a lot going on in our world right now um but it's ensuring that we are aware of it so we can take action on it when we need but also that it doesn't suck our energy so then it's being able to focus on the positive because there's a lot of positive happening in our world and in your reality as well with the friends you have around you with the things you're achieving um and all of that great stuff so emotional regulation is really First of all, understanding that I have power to change how I'm feeling. I'm active in this process and I want to do this instead in order to feel more of these things. And in the morning and in the evening, bookending your day with the best neurology to make that happen on a more unconscious basis. Yeah. 
Okay, and the question that, that came up as you were speaking before, which you sort of answered there, but there might be other elements to it, is what do you do when you're working with an athlete and they don't win or you're working with somebody in corporate and, uh, you know, projects just gone south and things are going really terribly? How do you deal with those situations where there is a very real objective thing that they can say, this bad thing happened and I can point to it and everyone knows it's there? Great question. So a bad thing can actually be winning as well and not winning can be a good thing. So by this, I mean with my athletes, uh, I have a lot of them who want to win, who want to finish top five, who want to finish top 10. Um, but for me, that's never the, that's not the number one goal. And if that is your number one goal, that's where you run into problems. So I had an athlete, uh, elite athlete doing um, this crazy endurance triathlon. So it's a 4K, 4K swim, 180K bike ride, um, 42 kilometer run. So marathon on the end of that, you're um, gaining about 5,000 meters of elevation. You have all the elements. It could be heat wave. It could be hail. It could be rain. You're jumping off the ferry into the cold water to start. So it's a very intense and extreme race. He'd raced it. He's raced it now about 10 times, maybe a couple more. Um, when we started working together, he was on the, maybe his eighth time. Anyway, so he raced this race a lot. Um, he'd won it three times at that point. But the reason he came to me is because when he won that race, he knew he had failed. And that's because he knew he hadn't achieved his full potential. He knew that when he won that race, he'd lost a 20 minute lead down to just a couple of minutes. And he knew he hadn't, he knew he had more in the tank. He knew he could have pushed his body further. So when he won, he felt he had failed. And this is not a um, an unusual event to happen with my athletes. A lot of them can do these epic races, have incredible results, but feel they had failed. I actually had an athlete the other week be like, that um, she did this marathon race, which is a super tough one. It's a brutal marathon through mountains, insane elevation. The weather was terrible through some, it was an overnight one. You're going through thunder and lightning storms. And she was like, I missed my time by an hour. I'm like, well, yeah, but that was a thunderstorm. <laughs> like you were freezing cold when you got hypothermia. You still finished the race and you only did it an hour slower. Like that's bloody amazing. What are you talking about? So you can you can achieve your goals and you can get great results, but still feel you'd failed. Um, so with this athlete, um, we made I made sure that his goal from then on wasn't to win because if you if you're in your race and you're thinking you're going to win then it goes goes dandy right it's brilliant you have a great race or if you think you're going to get your pb you're going to have a great race but if you're in that race you're like i don't think i'm going to win or you're thinking um i am winning i'm 10 minutes ahead but i bet so and so is going to overtake me any moment i'm going too slow i'm not good enough i'm going to lose um, he's definitely going to overtake me. I'm not doing very well. I've, I'm feeling really heavy. I'm going to lose. You know, these are the kind of thoughts you'll be having. And that could be when you are winning. Um, these are not unusual thoughts to have even when you're winning. Um, but here's the kicker. You could also be second and thinking those thoughts. But actually, the reality is that maybe the guy up in front just had a crash. 
and you could actually overtake him. Or maybe he's got severe pain, so you could overtake him in second or third. Um, or if you're up front, maybe the guy is actually like this guy who's second could be having cramps. He's never going to overtake you. So your perception is always very different to what is actually happening, and um, which is why I tell my clients do not have winning as your number one goal. Because if you start to think you're not winning, you're in a downward spiral that's now very difficult to get out of. So for me, the athlete is like, what is your ultimate goal? Not with this race, but your ultimate goal as an athlete, what is that? And it's always to be, to achieve my full potential, to to be um, the fastest triathlete I can be, to run, swim, cycle as fast as I can, um, to be an ultra marathon adventure paddler. Um, you know, it's a process. So you have what you are in your sport, who you are as an athlete, um, ultra adventure marathon paddler, and a process to be the best ultra marathon paddler I can be. What does that mean to you when it comes to racing? It means pushing myself to the maximum, it means extending my limits in ways I never thought possible. So now when you're racing, and if you are up in front, it's like, I'm going as fast as I can. I can I can do this. I can push myself. Um, I've got this. I'm doing really great. I'm going strong. I'm feeling brilliant. Even if you're not feeling brilliant, I'm feeling brilliant. The brain doesn't tell me what's real and what's imaginary. Um, I'm getting faster and faster. My lead is getting longer and longer. Um, and then again, if you're in in second or third, you're just going for a PB. It could be, this is going really well. I'm on track. I'm doing great. I'm achieving my potential. I'm pushing my limits. You know, you're doing like all of your thoughts are now angled towards pushing your body to the max, towards being the best you can be. And that's focusing on running as fast as you can. It's focusing on swimming or whatever your sport is, doing it as best you can. So now you're focusing on the action. You're not looking at your watch and thinking about your time, which is a distraction. You're looking at um, am I drinking enough? Am I eating enough? Am I are my feet light enough? Am I arm swinging with ease? Um, is my core on and on and activated? All the things that are going to help you achieve that potential. So when my client came to race that race again, it was um, I, I was watching it and he finished on the mountain and I could see him coming up and he was he was winning and I was like, it's brilliant, so great. Um, and then you could see the other athlete coming quite hot on his heels behind him. Um, now, my athlete had a slight, you have um, a team, two, two, one to two people helping you with your nutrition. Um, you've got to have a support group at this race because there aren't any aid stations along the way. And um, there was a miscommunication. So he was one gel short. So uh, there's about, you finish on going up these steps. And on the last 20 steps, he was overtaken. So like super nail biting stuff because he literally couldn't go any further. And my client came second by crawling up the steps. But he had achieved a five-minute personal best, which is insane when you're looking at he's raced this race already 10 times. He's now done it, and it's five minutes quicker. Um, and also, for him, he was super happy because it was the first time he'd raced this race and actually pushed himself to such a physical breakdown. So for him, he'd won. You know, he'd achieved what he went out there to do, which was to achieve his potential to extend his limits. And he did that. And he did that in every single race that season, up to 40 minutes knocking off PB times off races. It was absolutely insane because he was able to, he had these goals, which enabled him to focus on performing at his best at every single point in that race, no matter what the perceived outcome or the reality of the outcome was. Um, we can also apply that. Yeah. Yeah, I was just like, could you give some examples of what this looks like in a corporate setting in that if, if yeah. someone, what kind of goal would they have? 
Yeah, great question. Um, so now if you look to corporate, it's the same, it's very similar. Um, so in corporate, um, we often find in, especially those in a career, um, business owners, they tend to be a bit different. So a business owner could be having self-doubt, um, but they might want to be, the business owner could be wanting to make as much money as possible. Um, but again, if money is the target, sometimes we can run into problems there because we're so focused on getting that sale, we become, um, if we're coming from a, a lack of place and we really want the sale, it can become, we can come quite desperate. Like, I have to get you as an investor because otherwise it's not going to work. And then the investor's like, well, if you need my money that badly, to me, that's a red flag. Whereas if you are thinking, actually, we have this amazing product and um, we're just focusing on making the best product we can while bringing in as many investors as possible, uh, then it's suddenly a different, it changes the energy, it's a different conversation because you're now coming from a place of abundance where we have an amazing product, you communicate that with the investor, but you're not coming across as desperate for the money, which can sabotage the sale. So yeah. then we, it just changes the conversation a bit differently. Um, so when, when we, when I come into corporates, it's about looking at goals and it's always about the number one goal is, is yes, maybe a company wants to make as many sales as possible. Um, but individually it's looking at how can they do their role the best? Like what is their position and what, how can they do that the best? And how does that fit into the company's agenda? So for the senior finance officer, it could be ensuring that he, um, that he has his entire team operating as successfully as possible. Because if he has that, that's gonna make the company as much money as possible or whatever their goal is. Um, whereas if he's like, actually, I just want to do this job to get the next, um, to get the next raise or I'm just doing it for the money, um, you know, you're, you're not gonna be the best you can be in that role. Uh, so it's always ensuring that you're being the best you can be in that role. If a project is going sideways, instead of being seeing that as a failure, okay, well, what did you learn from that? Like, what was the outcome? And it could be, and you want to go into details around how well did you perform? How well did each team member perform? What went really well? What didn't go so well? And what can you do better next time? Because when projects do go sideways, sometimes actually they're the best projects because you learn the most. And you can ensure when something comes up again, you're now even more ready for it to go well because you've learned all the necessary lessons you needed to learn in order for the next one to be successful, especially those in startup worlds and fintech startups, for example, um, you're always feeling fast and feeling forward. So you can then implement those lessons for the next time. So in corporate, it's just about ensuring that everyone is in their position, being the best they can be, and that's their main focus, because as everyone is being the best leader they can be or being the best analyst they can be, and knowing what that looks like and feels like and knowing what they have to do and they actually take responsibility for their role and no one else's, that's when suddenly you're increasing performance of the whole team. And if a project is going sideways, it's looking at, if you're catching it early enough, then how can you get it back on track? But if you call it too late and it does go sideways and it is deemed a failure, then actually what can you learn from that? Because failures are a good thing. That's how we, how we learn. If everything is always going absolutely brilliantly, um, then it's, it's awesome, right? But we're not going to learn what it takes to take it to the absolute next level. On that 
topic of goals i'm just thinking of a person i'm not talking, thinking of like a particular person but i know that there are many people in jobs who they're doing that job to pay their bills and they might enjoy it to some extent but they're not um there for an enormous amount of passion that they have for it i'm wondering in terms of the kinds of goals could a goal be oriented more around them being an amazing human being have you seen any good results with that or are there other things to take into consideration when someone isn't you know a, owning a business and so that's evidently going to be a big part of their life yes i see lots of people in different careers some of them they do enjoy some of them they don't sometimes it is just to pay the bills um but in order to be an elite performer um uh, all of my clients come to me because they want to be the best at what they do um, whether it's being a senior software engineer, a leader, and um, whether it's taking their career to the next level. Um, if you're not enjoying your career and you are finding it dull, which I have seen people come to me for about as well, then it's looking, well, actually, in, if you want to progress, if you want to, if you want to do a different career and if you want to change careers or if you want to, um, to get a promotion, you need to you need to stand out. Um, you've got to derive meaning from your work. And also, do you really want to turn up every single day hating your job? So it's finding ways within that, like what is going to excite you? What will help you enjoy your job and make it easier for you? So it's still digging into that and finding out, well, why do you feel that way? And what can we do to change it? And what can we do to help you um, like set you up for success if you want to change goals, change career. Now, for some people, they're like, actually, I, like if they're in the military, it's very difficult to um, to move up and to promote and change because of the structure of the industry. So then it's like, actually, in two years' time, I know I can get, I can apply for a promotion. I can apply to move somewhere else. But for now, I've just got to suck it up. Um, but then it's being like, well, have you downloaded or do you know what are the things you need to do in order to stack the odds in your favor of getting that promotion? So then in the next two years, it's all about ensuring that those things are in place because some people get stuck in not enjoying their job. And then when an opportunity comes up, they've not done what they need to do in order to grab that opportunity by both hands and run with it and take it and change their life. Um, so you've got to be looking at if you if you don't like it how can you start liking it how can you start getting value from it because you don't want to be turning up to something every day and really hating it disliking it and not having a plan to get out or to change that so even if someone doesn't like their job and they're just doing it to pay the bills we're still looking at well how can we help you gain purpose and meaning from that or how can we just help you enjoy it more um and if if they're like actually i'm not sure then it's like well how can we help you which i've done loads of times before well how can we help you set yourself up so you can actually change jobs and apply for different positions like what skills are you missing um all that kind of thing so you can change a like for like job and especially now we're kind of in that great resignation where people are understanding actually what they value in life and they want to have a job that aligns with the values and at the moment if you talk to anyone in hr like there's just a brain drain that's what every single person in hr is saying there's people, who, there's not enough people with high quality skills to fill job positions. Um, and a job position could be receptionist, just as it could be CFO. Um, so right now, it's the perfect time, if you're not liking your job, is to look at 
what job would I love to have that is re that is reasonable within the skill set I currently have. So maybe you'd love to change jobs. Actually, you know what? You do have to pay the bills. This this maybe you're an accountant and that pays your bills, but maybe it could be like, well, you could be and you love sport. So maybe you actually could change and be an accountant in a sports brand. And then what do you need to do to make that happen? Um, so it's figuring out how you enjoy your job, even if you do have to stay in that company or in that position, what can you do to make it more, to make it better, you know, to make it so you're not hating it every single day, which is such a drain on your energy and will filter into the other aspects of your life. Um, but I also help those in career to become the best mother they can be, the best father they can be, to be the best partner they can be. And then if they have a hobby, to be the best in that that they can be. Um, for me, for my clients, it's always sport just because that's where um, my expertise lies and my passion as well. So I tend to, all of my clients are into sport in some way or other. Yeah. Um, okay. So it's uh, looking at that. But it's looking at those three main areas, tend to be relationships, um, career, and hobby or in this case sport and then how can you enjoy you don't have to be the best maybe you don't want to be the best maybe you just want to enjoy it in in as much as possible yeah okay thank you for this uh if we might wrap it up there if someone would like to find out more about you or contact you in some way uh, how can they do that and i'll put the links to your website and all of that in the description as well Amazing. Thank you. So if you're wanting some brain hacks, I'm mainly on LinkedIn and it's at Adelaide Good Eve. If you're interested to see what I've written about in the past, then you can have a gander on Instagram, um, which is also Adelaide Good Eve. Any questions, send me an email, go through my website. And that's where I also am. Wonderful. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a really great conversation. You've been listening to the High Performance Groundwork podcast. If there's a conversation you believe needs to be had or an idea you believe needs to be spoken about when it comes to workplace wellness and making the work environment joyful, calm, and a place where we feel part of a supportive community, I would love to hear from you. If you run a company and would like to improve the well-being of your staff, you can head over to my website, highperformancegroundwork.com to find out how I may be able to help. And finally, if you enjoyed this, share it around.